Hello everybody, welcome to the Boxing Science Podcast. Here's another Q&A session. This is from Instagram Live, where people ask me a whole range of questions on training and nutrition, specific to boxing and combat sports. If you're not a subscriber to the podcast yet, please hit the subscribe button and please share it with your friends, training partners, coaches or anyone that would be interested in training, nutrition, all specific to boxing and combat sports. Sean, exercises which help speed in boxing. So we aim to get stronger and then try and transfer that into speed. But the most most kind of speed exercises that we use are like jumps, uh, 10 second sprints, um, to actually transfer into punching performance. We use uh, medicine ball punch throw, landmine punch throw as well. Some Tandy, gym shut till autumn. Yeah, that's something that I've heard as well. Um, it's going to be a tough ride for anybody working in the fitness industry, but it's all about how we can all adapt, not only training, but coaching and business as well. So when lifting heavy, like in a bench press, is it okay to do that first and then do shadow boxing with light weights? Now, I've been asked about uh, shadow boxing with weights before. I don't really use it in terms of like strength conditioning, but I think it's good for um, slowing everything down uh, in a boxing session, uh, you know, practicing your technique, warming yourself up, getting your mind frame right, so you're not just throwing fast shots. You know, when you go too, too hard, uh, trying to warm up, trying to throw a flurry of punches in shadow boxing, sometimes you can make some mistakes, whereas like if you've got a, a, a light dumbbell into your chin, and then you're thinking about turning over that shot and then bringing it back into your chin. So it gives you that cue. So I wouldn't necessarily put it in a strength and conditioning session, but what I would do is do a heavy bench press and then could uh, go on to lighter punching action. So I'd do a medicine ball punch throw, something light and explosive, or a medicine ball chest pass. Adam Lusby, Enhanced Sports Performance. Uh, best way to develop rate of force development it's getting stronger so we found on um like with stronger athletes they're more able to um produce higher rate of force development values so we look to try and get our athletes stronger through maximum strength training but we also try and build up them foundations towards maximal strength so we don't just get an athlete under a heavy bar or lifting a heavy trap bar deadlift straight away, build up them foundations, work towards maximum strength, do some partial range lifts, get your athlete really strong, and then you can start working down the force velocity curve into more faster, more explosive exercises. So it's improving max strength. Once that's improved and increased, then try and find different ways to try and find different simuluses to make a faster and more explosive athlete. Okay, Angelo, Drag, a, drag one boxing, hopefully I've uh, pronounced that right. Who's the strongest boxer you've trained pound for pound? So overall, it would be um, Jordan Gill because like on trap bar deadlift, uh, chest press and Olympic lifting as well, he, he ticks all them boxers. But also uh, Anthony Fowler, really strong. Cal Yousaf, who was a flyweight boxer, incredibly strong. And then uh, Callum Beardo is over, overall 
like kind of strength, but he's he's bigger, so he doesn't really get into the the pound for pound rankings. Uh, Kel Brook's pretty strong as well, pound for pound. How many times a week do you recommend lifting weights? I recommend that you lift uh, twice a week. Um, when I first started strength conditioning uh, for boxers, I used to do three times a week, but I found that this took a lot out of the boxers. So we'd, we'd do twice a week and then do like some sort of like mobility and core training uh, as a third session. And they'd also run three times a week as well. Is it fine to superset body weight exercise with shadow boxing? So I normally do uh, a nice like superset in uh, fight week where we do like uh, banded sidewalks or uh, monster walks and then pair that up with banded shadow box. So this is like firing up the lower body um, in a general action and then look to try and overload that in a sport specific action as well. Sal Patel, how did Vlad Matei get down to 60 kilos? Good question. He followed the uh, nutrition handbook uh, that was written by Lee Rickards. That's on uh, the Boxing Science, so it's Train Like Champion Nutrition Handbook. He followed a diet, uh, followed that diet and, and then similar alternatives as well. And he managed to lose uh, four kilos, mostly fat mass, retain that muscle mass, and he did it really healthy. Um, it's a shame that we didn't get to see him perform at that weight, but he was he was firing uh, two weeks before the fight. Uh, we tested him; uh, he was fitter, faster, and stronger. I know it's uh, a term thrown about quite a lot, but he was definitely uh, in the best shape um, that I've ever seen him in. Anyway, how much time off do you need uh, post fight night? It depends whether you're an amateur or professional. Amateurs need to get in pretty sharpish. Uh, I'd say about two days rest. However, if it's a championship uh, boxer, so it's going to go into national elites, they need to be used to competing on the day after or even two days after as well. So if, like for example, with Matty and Vlad, who were going into the ABAs, if they were fighting... I'd be getting them in the next day to make sure that they they were prepared to be um competing uh, two or three times in a weekend. For professional fighters, they have to make weight. Um, their training camp's a lot harder. They have to do harder sparring. They have to lose more weight, and it's it's generally um tougher as well. You know, they're taking punches in eight or ten ounce gloves, so they need to make sure that their body's fully recovered. So I often uh, give them a week off, two weeks off uh, from strength and conditioning. Um, even then, they, they look to try and ease their way back into camp. Can we go for intermittent fasting? Um, can do. It's pretty tough. Um, with diets, it doesn't need to be as difficult or uh, as complicated as intermittent fasting. Just... Stay balanced, manage your calories, make sure you get your macronutrients right and you'll be able to lose weight. Matthews uh, Spicanel. Do you find there's difference in uh, physical performance between uh, pro and amateur boxers? I think that they generally 
um, fitter pro boxers. However, like on a fitness, uh, like on a fitness test, um, when we do thirty fifteen, they get quite similar scores. Uh, the lactate profile is a bit different. The more endurance athletes, the amateur boxers that we test, they go quite anaerobic quite quickly. So that's probably the the only difference that I see. Um, from boxing side, obviously they learn how to pace better. They're able to do more rounds. They have better endurance. But from a strength and conditioning perspective, there's not that much difference. Um, yeah, because we we look to we we train the adaptation and not the exercise. So we're always looking for for general adaptations, whether they're an amateur or professional boxer. So there's there's not that much difference. Would you ever consider opening affiliate gyms in other cities with people trained up by ourselves? Something that we could look to do in the future. I've thought about it before. We obviously have a great network of, of S&C coaches that have been on our coaching courses, who are on our membership, who um, are like taking part in our webinar group on, on every Monday. However... Everybody's got their own thing going off. Uh, I wouldn't want to try and intrude and dictate what they have to deliver. I'd rather kind of share our training message. However, I do want to set up some sort of like regional hubs where younger athletes and amateur boxers can find a, a strength conditioning coach working in boxing. So they come onto the Boxing Science website, they put in what, um, what area they're from, and then... Uh, a regional strength conditioning coach comes up and their details come up and, and their training facility comes up and what kind of sessions are on there. So that's something that I'm looking to do. I haven't had the time to do it, but maybe uh, during lockdown, I'll be able to, to put a team together to make sure that we, we get something out there. Obviously, that needs support of like national governing body. So hopefully we'll get onto England Boxing to help uh, help structure that so we can get um, strength conditioning ready and available all the way through the country okay guidance on the perfect road work so I think this I'll change this question not in terms of like road workers what you normally would see road work as uh, like your longer run, uh, your longer runs but running outside I'll give you some uh, like um some tips on so if you were going to run outside and still wanting to high intensity interval training is making sure that you have like some sort of device that can monitor your distance and have a target as well calculate what kind of speed that you're going to hit in that rep and calculate the amount of distance that you can cover within that time so i've been given um like a lot of boxers uh, the four minutes on, two minutes off protocol. So the four minutes on, I expect boxers to be hitting 15 or 16 kilometers an hour. And I know that 15 kilometers an hour is about 1,000 meters, so one kilometer. Um, if they're going to be a little bit faster, I'll try and go, get them to run um, 1,050 or 1,100 meters. So making sure you have that goal. Or you can do shorter runs, such as like Tabatas, so doing 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off, and just using like a football pitch or measuring out 
100 meters and trying to repeat that as 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 much as you can so do around about six or eight reps have a rest for two minutes and then repeat that um three to four times so yeah so doing high intensity interval training can be quite difficult outside but if along as long as you uh, set out some target distances and making sure that you're recording that as well and reflecting on your session because not many sessions uh, go perfectly straight away even if I'm doing it myself or doing it with an athlete there's a lot of trial and error you've just got to have some sort of feedback and some uh, sort of reflective methods to make sure that you you uh, nail on your session and then somebody else just asked on soft ground or hard ground I've been telling boxers to be running on a field. Soft ground's always best. Um, because hard and, and running on the road, they start getting injured. So many people have been um, like running out on the road and being in, end up getting injured and, and asking me, you know, I've been running, um, you know, I've been feeling some knee pain. Somebody's had a calf strain. Running on the road has uh, many risks. Uh, even though it's nice and it's quite simple to do, I wouldn't advise to run on the road. So if you're going to do outdoor running, I'd say um, go on like grass. If you do have to go on the road, uh, you don't want to get in a car and go to your nearest field or whatever, uh, find a big hill to run. Uh, 1996 Ryan, it would be great if you answer my question. Tips about comeback um, to boxing after a lower back injury. Making sure you're strong in your core. Doing a lot of core endurance exercises. I've posted uh, some exercises on uh, Instagram. Uh, I think it was about last week. Improving core, strength endurance, 100%. Um, making sure you're stable, improving your glute strength, improving your hip mobility and your rotational mobility as well, especially around thoracic regions. So making sure that you can rotate through the upper back. If you need help with this, uh, just send me a DM after this, and I'll uh, I'll let you know what kind of resources that Boxing Science have. Great question, Boxing Business. Are the best exercises to do to improve glute strength with lower back injury and unable to squat? So, I'll tell you what, give me a message after this. I'll send you um, a video on how to increase um, glute activation uh, and how to make sure that you're cueing that glute activation as well. And this will help you um, perform and, and engage uh, your glutes in like kind of founded uh, functional exercises such as like squat deadlift everything like that so give me a message after this um at the moment i would look to try and do some like hip thrust some glute bridges do some mini band work as well something that you're not you can engage your glutes but not loading up the spine where you're going to be super compensating using your lower back so that's kind of my advice is loads of different things that you can do i'll just give some advice a little bit further up the comments um a few minutes ago 
uh, saying about improving core endurance. This will help protect your lower back and um, will stop it from supercompensating. So your core strength and your glute strength can override that lower back pain. How effective is swimming for any type of boxer? I wouldn't really tell a boxer to go swimming unless they have got a low extremity injury uh, and they're unable to run or they're unable to go on a bike um, or walk bike or anything like that so, because they can't really reach the intensities needed that um, go to the demands of the sport. So they're so physically fit, but they've not got great swimming technique. They're not going to get up into the red zone and create them um, aerobic responses. It's also uh, can build up uh, high amounts of lactic acid. So you, it's more or less like training in no man's land a little bit. So if you go fast and hard, try and get into the red zone, you build up a lot of lactate. If you go slower, not building up lactate, you're not getting up into the red zone. So recovery might be good. So some, some low intensity active recovery work, but for swimming in terms of improving fitness, I wouldn't go for it. Klitschko was a regular swimmer. He said it was one of his favorite cardio methods. I think for heavyweights, it could be ideal because it's obviously if you're a heavyweight, you're a tall athlete, a lot you your lower body has to be put through high amounts of force if you're doing running. Uh, Klitschko also uh, trained, uh, competed until he was forty one, so probably something that he incorporated later on in his career when he had like injuries or something like that. Um, so it can work, and I'm I'm sure Klitschko as well, knowing what his like kind of attitude is and um, what his training facilities were like, and the coaches around him, I bet he had really good swimming technique as well. Most I'm talking about the majority, the majority of uh, boxers and athletes will not have the right uh, most efficient uh, swimming technique to make sure that they're um, boosting uh, like hitting the right amount of intensity to transfer that into physiological adaptations.